The wrath of God is one of those subjects that preachers frequently avoid. Understandably, most people would rather hear about God's love, grace, and mercy, and most preachers want to be liked by their congregation. Therefore, a steady diet of feel-good messages fills many pulpits today. Respected theologian J.I. Packer agrees. He said the church mumbles on about God's kindness, but says virtually nothing about his judgment. Is that because God's wrath suggests he is cruel and lacking in self-control? On the contrary, the wrath of God speaks of the just and righteous consequences laid upon unbelievers who ultimately reject God's offer of love, grace, and mercy. The world needs to hear the whole counsel of God, including about his wrath. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Consider these words from Nahum chapter 1, verse 3. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and you're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. What is this divine wrath the prophet Nahum warns us about? And who are the wicked people for whom this wrath is appointed? Answers are headed your way next as Ron continues his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can hear any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Spotify, at Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, Nahum, Slow to Anger. In fact, it wasn't until, get this, until 1845, 1845, when archaeologists even find a trace of the ancient Ninevites. So complete was their destruction that for centuries, many scholars believed that Nineveh was sort of like Wonderland or Neverland or uh, mythical Atlantis. You know, it wasn't a real place. Here's another example of the Bible talking about peoples we have no evidence for. And Bible critics would tell stories about Nineveh and, and use it to fuel their skepticism and their unbelief and say, you can't believe the Bible until archaeology finally caught up with what God already knows in 1845 and discovered the ancient Ninevites and validated the prophecies of Jonah and Nahum. The Bible was right all along, as it always is. You can always trust it. It might take some time for archaeology to catch up. Might take some time for science to catch up. But the Bible, the Bible is always correct. Well, what do we do with a book like this? Where's uh, the encouragement or the comfort in an ancient prophecy like this, which is a final verdict upon the, a, a wicked regime where the wrath of God finally pours out on them. Where's our comfort of that? Well, it's actually found in the name Naaman itself. Although he offered no hope or comfort to the Ninevites, um, Naaman's name means comfort. Before I get to that, though, I want you to think about this. Uh, you know, Nineveh, again, is this archetype 
of a proud, defiant, rebellious people who ultimately rejected God and who experienced his wrath. Not unlike the final verdict that also awaits all the enemies of God at the end of the age, when the Bible tells us that um, the dead, great and small, will stand before the great white throne. And now I'm in Revelation chapter 20. Travel with me on the ultimate road trip through the Bible, past Nahum, past Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and all the way to the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation, the great white throne judgment, it's called, where all the unbelievers who've ever lived and gone into the grave now stand before him, great and small, rich and poor, powerful and oppressed, and the Bible says if anyone's name was not found written in the, in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, Nineveh and its destruction is, is like a um, commercial of what will happen at the end of the age when the wrath of God finally pours out upon the unbelieving world. And, and it's a sobering thought. Let me ask you this, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? <laughs> if it's not, listen friend, today is a day of salvation. You need to get to the cross as quickly as you can. That's your escape route from the wrath of God. It's not just about his love and his grace and oh, you know, if you want to come along. It's, no, uh, his wrath, his righteous and just anger, though patient and slow to come will eventually fall out upon the unbelievers of all time, just as sure as it did Nineveh uh, many centuries ago. But where's the encouragement? Where's the comfort? Uh, Naaman's name means comfort of all things. Opening the door uh, historically to Judah's consolation and to ours. Let's go back to chapter 1 for a moment. I, I, I told you to kind of you know, carve out chapter 1 and verse 7 because amidst this opening rant about the wrath of God, Naaman says, the Lord is good. Say that with me. The Lord is good. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. I love that this verse is here. I had a friend of mine in Dallas. Uh, uh, she says, oh, this is, you're in, you're in Nahum this week. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. And it sits like a, a, a bright, shining diamond in the midst of the darkness and the blackness of divine wrath as a reminder to us that his first instinct is to be good to those who find refuge in him. Now, who do you find refuge in today? Your therapist, your money, your position in life, the power, the prestige that you have. Where do you run to for refuge? The Lord knows those who take refuge in him. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. And that's where you'll find the goodness of God. To those who take refuge in God, Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 tells us, he's good all the time, right? to those who love him, to those who are the called according to his purpose. 
You will feel his wrath and his cruelty apart from the cross of Christ. Now, concerning Naaman's uh, stirring prophecy about the wrath of God, now is the time, now is the time, friend, to place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, whom God raised from the dead, and whom 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10 says, this Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. What wrath to come? Well, the wrath like that which poured out upon the ancient Ninevites as a demonstration, as a, as a preview of coming attractions that takes us all the way to the end of the age when there's no going back. The great white throne judgment. What a sobering scene. But Christ comes, dies on the cross for our sin. This Messiah that has been prophesied all throughout the Old Testament, starting in Genesis chapter 3, when God expelled Adam. And we have the first inkling of the gospel, a blood sacrifice that takes place. It was all about this Christ, this Messiah who would come to die on a cross for our sins. Why such a brutal death and why a death at all? Because to be true to his character, God was able to be loving and kind and gracious and wrathful towards sin at the same time on the cross. Do you see it? Uh, elsewhere, the Bible describes it this way, that God loves us so much that he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation, big theological word, right? It's in the Bible. What does it mean? It refers to uh, the satisfaction of wrath. Jesus Christ on the cross was our propitiation. He satisfied the wrath of God. Here's what it means to the believer in Jesus Christ. God isn't angry with you anymore. You never have to worry. If you are in Christ, you never have to worry about God's wrath. Now, he is our father. We are his children. Sometimes he disciplines his kids when we you know, act like we shouldn't be acting. But that's not the wrath of God. Still ahead, the second half of today's Something Good radio message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. If you've never visited our website, I encourage you to do so today. We have a great streaming platform for the media ministry of Something Good. You'll also find our digital library where you can search for biblical answers to some of your most challenging questions. Watch, listen, and download for free. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now, let's get you back to the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Nahum, Slow to Anger. Once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones. The wrath of God, the righteous and just wrath of God pours out ultimately on unbelievers who reject Him. And it's the consequences built in to the world in which we live. Oh, he's slow to anger. He'll give you time after time. He'll give you to your very last breath to receive the free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ, who alone is our propitiation. He's the only one that satisfied the wrath of God. He took the wrath on the cross that you and I deserve. That's Christianity, friends. 
We call that the substitutionary atonement of Christ. He is the blood sacrifice and the substitute. In the Old Testament, they took the blood of bulls and goats and lambs, and they, they, the lambs were a substitute for them, foreshadowing the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That is Jesus Christ, the once-for-all sacrifice. But it was his atoning sacrifice that satisfied the wrath of God. And it's our faith in Christ that secures us. That's the escape route. And as sure as Nineveh was destroyed, the wrath of God pours out. At the end of the age, those who through all of time on this planet, unbelievers, the Bible says all the dead, great and small, will stand before him. And there will be no more chance. The Bible says in Romans 20, he takes death itself, the devil. By the way, the devil's not in hell right now. <laughs> He'll be cast into hell or the lake of the fire. He takes death, the devil, and unbelievers. And the wrath of God is poured out as they are cast into the lake of fire. Don't ever think that God sends anybody to hell. He doesn't do that. People choose to go there. After a God who is slow to anger, full of grace and mercy, giving somebody time and time and time and opportunity, think of the time between Jonah and Nahum. More than a more than hundred years passed. They had had their opportunity. And, and as a demonstration of his righteous and just wrath, he obliterated them. But that doesn't have to be our story. In fact, the reason Christ came, I'm repeating myself here just in case you didn't get it. The reason Christ died upon the cross was to satisfy the righteous wrath of God. Your only safety net and mine is to be in Christ by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I jotted down some other applications, but that, that's the main thing to take away from this. Some of you also may be asking, you know, have, have evildoers gotten the upper hand in our world today? Has justice eluded us? That's a common question, you know, if a loving God and a sovereign God is in control, why is there so much evil in this world? Uh, there was actually a, a worship leader in the Old Testament named Asaph who wrote a psalm, Psalm 73, who asked a similar question. He says, uh, um, he was concerned when he saw the prosperity of the wicked. Does that ever bother you? When wicked, godless, defiant people seem to prosper in this world? Eh, yeah, it should. Bothers us, makes us wonder, come on, Lord, where are you? I'm sure the ancient Israelites wondered that about the Assyrians. I mean, they were the superpower. And some of them, I'm sure, had incredible places and luxurious lives to live inside ancient Nineveh, which was a fabulous city. Uh, the worship leader named Asaph, though, he comes to verse 17, and he says his perspective changed when he entered the sanctuary of God and, quote, discerned their end. You know what, part of what gives me comfort and some encouragement and some perspective in this life is to know 
this ain't our home, all right? We're living in enemy territory. And to know that the God of the Bible, in his own time, in his own way, in a just and righteous way, will determine their end. We just have to discern it, not get too upset about the way things are right now. Yeah, fight for justice, all that kind of stuff. But, but no, we live in a broken world, in a sinful world. And God will ultimately deliver justice upon evil people uh, in his own time. I don't know, maybe, maybe you get some comfort out of that. I think that's, that's uh, Nahum in his name was meant to be a comfort to Israel who had endured so much evil and injustice toward them. I, I also think of the two times in Nahum where the Lord says to the Ninevites, I am against you. Don't ever think as a believer in Jesus Christ, God is against you. Again, a father disciplines his son or daughter because he loves them, right? We all, we all do that. It's part of parenting. And the Lord is that way to us, to his children as well. But twice he said to the Ninevites, I'm against you. But for the believer in Jesus Christ, it made me think of Romans 8 and verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us, right? That's the uh, victory cry of believers in Jesus Christ. You're in Christ. The righteous, just wrath of God is not aimed toward you. God aimed it toward his son. He's satisfied that it's all taken care of through the death of Christ. And then finally, and this this just seems so minuscule by way of application, but I, I, I wrote it down this week, and I think it's important to remember because I want to be like God as much as I can, and I know you do too. This idea that he was slow to anger with the Ninevites. He didn't fly off the handle. He didn't have a temper problem. He was slow to anger. James tells us in chapter 1, verses 19 to 20, I don't know, maybe he was inspired by Nahum. I don't know. He says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Slow to anger. Let's practice that. He says, for the anger of man does not practice the righteousness of God. Maybe you do have an anger problem, temper problem. Learn from the Lord who is slow to anger. If he's slow to anger with the Ninevites and with all of humanity for that matter, the fact that we're here today is an indication of one more day of his grace, one more lap of grace. For believers, one more lap of faith. Come on. Hang in there. Discern the end. And for unbelievers, one more opportunity to respond to his kind and gracious offer before one day the offer won't be there anymore. We have to factor that into our understanding of who this God of the Bible is as uncomfortable as it might be, but may it spur us on as believers in Jesus Christ to get about his business of glorifying God by making disciples of Jesus Christ who go and make disciples. Think of Noah who preached his sermon, as it were, through a hammer and some wood and built his ark for a hundred years, almost as long as the time between Jonah and Nahum. And they laughed at him. They scoffed at him. They could have gotten aboard the boat, but they didn't believe the rain was coming until it was too late and the door was closed. Your ark, my ark, is called the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our ark of safety from the divine wrath that will most 
assuredly come. We have evidence in archaeological history that it came as a fair warning, not to mention the rest of Scripture that tells us the day is coming. Thanks for stopping by for today's Something Good radio message. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Ron, the prophet Nahum gives us a rather frightening picture of the wrath of God, both on the national and individual level. If there is one thing you could take away from the book of Nahum, one takeaway, what would it be? Brian, I really believe it's time to reassert the prophet Nahum's message, this idea that God has a capacity for anger that he will uh, one day express and pour out his wrath. We need to warn people to flee from the wrath to come. Now, many people say that if the church would speak only about a God of love, that humankind would turn from its wickedness and churches would be filled to capacity. But the exact opposite is true. For decades now, the message of God's wrath has been almost totally absent in Christian pulpits. The focus has been God's love, grace, and mercy. But some interpret that kind of preaching as meaning God is permissive. He will let you do anything you want and and, and you'll get away with it. As a result, the churches are emptier than ever before. And instead of turning toward God, people have refused to believe in God and instead have turned away from him. Here's what Charles Spurgeon said about this very subject. He said, he who does not believe that God will punish sin will not believe that God will pardon sin through the blood of his son. Now, here's the good news, Brian. There is a way of escape. No man who turns to God will ever experience his wrath. God only exercises his wrath when uh, people have rejected his love time and time again. He pours out his wrath on unbelievers. But again, there is a way of escape. And there has been all along. We need not face the wrath of God. No one needs to. God's whole purpose has been to call uh, people's attention to that way so that they might take it. And that way is given in Naaman chapter 1, verse 7. He knows those who take refuge in him. Think about that, Brian. For those who take refuge in God, his heart is always open. They will never know his wrath. As the Lord Jesus put it in John chapter 5 and verse 24, He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts on the wrath of God and his promise that all who come to faith in Christ will never experience that wrath. Now, today's message is part of Ron's teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. And as you may have heard, Ron has written two companion guides, a pair of beautifully designed volumes that cover both the Old and New Testaments and all eight road trips that he's taking you on right here on Something Good Radio. When you give your gift of $50 or more to support the media ministry of Something Good, Ron will gladly send you both volumes. That's volumes one and two of Ron's book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. This is our way of saying thank you for your generous gift to support the ministry of Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. 
Ron, before we wrap things up for today, let's talk about where you're headed tomorrow as you move ahead in your series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Brian, our next stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible is the book of Habakkuk. Now, Habakkuk was a different kind of prophet. Instead of speaking to the people on God's behalf, he was the prophet who spoke to God on the people's behalf. Now, the people of Habakkuk's day had an awful lot of questions, burning questions about the injustices of life, the violence, the evil, and so on. And so Habakkuk went to the Lord with those questions. In a way, he almost puts God on trial. He asks God questions like, how long must we cry for help? And why can't you do something about all of this injustice? It's a fascinating book, Brian, and I'll unpack it over the next couple of days. Join us then for Something Good, when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Habakkuk, Why God? For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis, thanks for listening.